0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Friends, welcome back to the show. Today we are in Georgetown, Texas.
1: I didn't know there was a Georgetown, Texas.
0: It is. <laughs> Tyler Reagan, welcome. It's a suburb of Austin. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's, I've it. actually recorded a podcast just like... Two minutes down the road. No from way. Here. Yeah, I had a friend who lives just right around the corner. This is
1: a beautiful place, beautiful area. Yeah.
0: Well, welcome to Austin, Texas. Thank
1: you. The general
0: Austin, Texas. <laughs> we are like, this is the green room area yeah. for the Catalyst One Day event that will be here. Yeah. And when I walked in, I know um, Craig Groschel is going to be here. Yeah. I was expecting to find like some dumbbells or some kettlebells yeah, well, or something.
1: I, we just do more use body weight for body those weight, kind of the Body weight, that's what he, he prefers. He benches me. Oh, okay. Yeah, he benches yeah. you. So. I yeah. figured
0: there'd be some sort of fitness area set up for that.
1: No, he, you know, he does it at the gym, at the hotel, and then he's ready to go. Oh, he really does. No, he works out consistently. Yeah, so he, even on the travel days, he'll figure out a way to get a workout. Out. And get go to the gym workout. Yeah, I he's mean, asked me to go a few times. I'm like, no. I don't think that would, I would. <laughs> I'm, that'd I'm be out, Craig. Scary. I'm out.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good. Okay, so we're uh, with mutual friend. Yep. Nef Downs. You've known her since you're college. Her for Twenty days. plus years. Yeah. And I hear that she's doing something at catalysts in the fall maybe
1: uh, i heard a rumor is no that she's true? making that up now she might be trying to speak that into existence look <laughs> no. uh she no she's coming i think she put it on a calendar coming. that's yeah, what she... it is yeah because we we've gone <laughs> no it's totally fine we've done some she's been asking for years okay <laughs> okay and uh, i know too much about annie so it's just kind of one of those like annie, that's where i was going to...
0: it's like you know her that well and you still have you, still you know does... what
1: there's a there she is one of the people that i am incredibly proud of just the way that she has the Lord has used her, her the way she's just continued to surrender to His plan and to watch what God's doing with her. Yeah, it's been pretty cool to watch. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'm one of the biggest Annie F. Downs fans. Don't we don't you know. Like the we don't of, know the F. You yeah. know.
0: it might not really exist.
1: Well, but. it does because you know the quilter and the famous quilter and and Oh, Australia, that's right. That's, that's, that's the why story. she has to do it. Yeah, it's hilarious. That to is me. pretty funny. But we just call her Annie.
0: Well, I I like to throw the F in every once yeah. in a while just yeah. <laughs> to keep things exciting. Okay, so she connected us. Yep. And I've done two hundred and seventy some podcasts. That's fun. I feel like I should know the exact number at this point, but yep. I don't. It changes yep. every week. And I've had one other leadership podcast, and that's a gentleman you probably know named Brad Lominick. Yep. And he emailed me, say, hey, "I got a book coming out. Can, I, can we do it? Uh, yeah, sure, of course." Yeah. Um, but until then, I haven't really talked about leadership a ton. Yeah. And it's not that I'm opposed. Like I'm the senior pastor of a church, yep. and yep. I've like done that work for a long time, and. I feel like Brad helped change my mind, and I feel like you can fully convert me to being a student of try. leadership. I'm I feel like try. we can do this in forty-five minutes.
1: I agree. I We're agree. And so, what is your sweet spot then? What's your favorite thing to talk about?
0: Uh, what is my favorite thing to talk about? It changes. Like yeah. I, I do some that are like. Technical, yep. theological stuff. Like I think um, the next person on the podcast is Tom Wright. Yeah. He's back on for like the sixth time. I, I enjoy like getting the nitty gritty. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Paul. I like talking creativity. Yep. I like talking spirituality like, the, like a Richard Rohr kind of person. Yeah, yeah. And uh, kind of everything in between, and I feel like I've been kind of afraid of leadership, yeah. Because sometimes it seems, to, and I've said this already to Brad, you're an Enneagram fan.
1: Yeah, yeah. Annie's way more of an Enneagram fan. Than I am, okay. But I'm getting, I'm getting used to. it. I'm a self assessment fan for sure. A self assessment. Yeah. So, How would you
0: differentiate that?
1: Well, it's the same thing. Enneagrams. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a version of self awareness. How do I mm-hmm. become more aware of myself? Uh, right path. Myers Briggs. Okay. DISC. Strength finders; yeah, those are all self assessments. I yeah. got to figure out my wiring, learn mm-hmm. a little bit more about myself.
0: And you've always been interested
1: in that? Yeah, I'd say the last uh, fifteen years or so, it's become it's a very big part of how we hire. It's a big part of me understanding myself i mean at the end of the day there was a one of the most groundbreaking articles on leadership was emotional intelligence mm-hmm. which came out in the late ni- mid 90s yeah but it was the first time that somebody daniel goleman uh, with harvard business reviews first time somebody came out and talked specifically about how emotional intelligence can be measured because for so long they call it soft skills how are your people skills these yep. kind of things what he said is no we have data to prove that the best leaders in the world have emotional intelligence, they have a high EQ, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the basis of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. So if you, if you're not fully engaged with who you are, you don't know Mm -hmm. who you are, we don't even know where to build from that. You know what I mean? You got to know who you are uniquely so that we can lead from that spot. So for me, hiring, doing those sorts of things, that's a big part of the conversation is going, I want to make sure I got balance on this team. And you can tell me all day long, you've learned certain skills but if that's not your natural wiring, when stress hits, that stuff's going out the window. You're going to go back to your natural wiring when stress is is yeah. a big part of that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I'm not a naturally detailed person. I can work on it, and I can try to get better. But when stress hits, I'm going to go to my natural habitat or if you, my natural wiring, which is, for me, it's relationship, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. So... um it's just to me that's what the that's why Enneagram is, is really helping a lot of people. It's really helping yeah. them get a foundation to start building from.
0: Yeah. And it's a tool to help you figure out who you are Completely. and where you go. Whereas the Enneagram would tell me as an Enneagram 7, yep. like Annie. Yeah. In stress, I actually go to be more detail oriented. Yeah. And I find when I was a church planner, especially like the first year or so i would get very obsessive about all the chairs
1: being completely straight <laughs> sure and it was just like i needed like something but why do you need that what 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 drove you to want those chairs straight i don't think it was for you what do you think it was for
0: i thought because they were wrong and it bothered me that they weren't straight yeah. um so my dad's a psychologist yeah. and so he would self-analyze so, so <laughs> how he would analyze me and maybe let me just read that through myself maybe i'm trying to control something because I feel so out of control as a church planner, It I can't could be as simple
1: th- if you're a seven, as mm-hmm. you want everybody to have a great experience and you want mm-hmm. them to be happy mm-hmm. when they come in. And if those are out of whack, you think they're going to think about that. And you see what I mean? Like yeah. my motivation doesn't cut. Like I, I can get that way sometimes with, I'll see things as a producer. That's what I did really before I've been leading this. And so I see little details. Sometimes I miss the big, I'm like, whatever. I do not see that. But I see little things and it all comes back to my drive for people and their experience. Mm. I want it to be amazing. And when I see something that's less than amazing, it doesn't bother me for me, it bothers me for them. And that's what, like, that's Mm. because I'm not a naturally detailed person, but I'll see stuff and I'm like, hey, we missed that, y'all. And they're like, how did you even, you know, like that's not my natural spot or wiring. But I see it because I see it through the eyes of the people we're trying to serve and the people we're trying hmm. to care for. So I don't know. at I, I, Being a seven, everything's kind of this fun relational game. Yeah. I, would, I would picture just a lot of that as, re, as based on you wanting I want people to, to have right. the best experience that you can help give them. Hmm. Now, I could be making that up all day We'd long. We've known
0: each other for so long. I know, like exactly. three minutes now. So I feel mm-hmm. like you have a lot to go upon. But I could see the read. like, And that would be a far more generous r- rationale for sure. what I was doing than... Hey, I'm out of control. Right, trying to right, right. Right. So, thank you for being far sure. kinder to me than See, I'm yeah, I been to myself. You. Yeah, very, very <laughs> much. Okay, so before you got on with Catalyst, you were a producer yeah, at I worked North with.
1: Yeah, I worked with Andy Stanley and the group there. I've started, helped start two of the churches that we had. And really, my background was service programming, so production music, host team. You know, you name it. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the Sunday service, basically, that's what I was. And then I would produce our big events, our big leadership conferences. Mm-hmm. And they got involved with Catalyst a couple of years, uh, for a couple of years, about eight years ago, as a producer contract, just produced to do the big events we did. Mm-hmm. And then uh, six, almost six years ago, I came over full time to be the um, creative director and really developed the staff and that. And then a year into that, I moved into the president role.
0: And that's when Brad left. Yeah. So you
1: replaced Brad? Yep. So, but he I worked with him for a year. He brought me over mm-hmm. to, and you know, he was still running it while I was helping develop the staff and then mm-hmm. be the creative director and producer. But all along, you are planning on kicking him out and taking that his job. That was really kind of the plan. He, yeah. I mean, we talked about it. I said, listen, I'm gunning, I'm gunning for your job. Yes. Not at all. We actually talked, inter- I mean, in the interview, he said, I want to have somebody in place when the day goes that I'm going to move on. Yeah. And uh, I think it happened probably faster than we both expected, but it was right. The time mm-hmm. was right. And Brad would, Brad would tell you the same thing.
0: Okay, so all along, leadership has been part of this. Yeah. Producing to leadership. Yeah. Now you're leading leaders. Yeah. Uh, which is, in some ways, it's still just like normal people. Totally. Do you,
1: do you think that it's just like normal people, or do you feel like there are unique challenges that maybe people overlook? There are definitely unique challenges, but leadership is leadership. Mm-hmm. And then there's these uniquenesses. So being a woman in leadership, there's some uniqueness of that, especially in the Christian culture. There's even more unique. There's another layers of uniqueness. Being um, African-American, there's, you know I mean? So there are distinctives. But when we talk about creating a healthy culture in your workplace, that's for everybody. Like There's some very consistent things that go with leadership. So yeah, I, I mean, I think there are distinctives. Now, when it comes to leading leaders, I think one of the keys about that is exactly what you said, which is recognizing their their men and women. hmm That's it. Like, and then, uh, I've only, in, in the eight years I've been a part of Catalyst, and there's been a lot of amazing people, the only person I was even remotely starstruck with, because I, I do this all the time, and I'm really intentional about not getting intimidated about the people yeah, that we're working with, was Tony Hawk, because I couldn't pass that up. I mean, Tony Hawk, yes. come on. It's like, I grew up idolizing that guy and skating on one of his skateboards, so I was a little bit starstruck there, but other than that, but that's a different, like, he he's went not to in a different our world. world. Yeah, he's, he's an athlete exactly. that's not your normal. He's not thing. in our world. So you're you allowed to fanboy
0: about that? A little bit, yeah. I was I, I pretty excited about that. I think my biggest fanboy in the podcast was an athlete, uh, yeah. an Olympic athlete, uh, Sonia Richard Draws. Oh, yeah. She's and amazing. She lives down the road. That's what I was just talking about. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but she's not, she's a, like, right. I, I would say a different her circle, friend. But, like, when I first met her, she's just, like, a celebrity that yep. I'd
1: like to watch on TV run yep. really fast. And then you get to know him. I mean, I know we had Tony Romo a couple times at Dallas. And once you've hung out with him, it's like, oh, it's Tony Romo. Just a normal guy. He's so down to earth. Emmett Smith was the same way, which is what makes them special.
0: And that's why you could ask Tony Romo to throw a football at someone's package, right? Just because you felt like that's the right thing to do. He was
1: like, you want us to do what? We're like, oh, don't worry. He's ready for it. (laughs) We're prepared. It's fantastic. But yeah, I think a key is like uh, in a few minutes, I'll be going to get Craig Rochelle. A lot of people would be... A little bit anxious about that. Yeah, exactly. What are we going to do here? Uh, Lisa Turker will be with us. And then uh, Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands. Well, a lot of people, and, I, and again, I worked with Andy Stanley. That helped a lot because so many people yeah. want to be with him. Like they would love to have a dinner with Andy. And then you start realizing that Andy's Andy. And, and now I have the most respect for all four of those names that we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. However, I also see them as men and women who are leading their areas just like I'm leading mine. Mm-hmm. We have stuff to offer each other. We can care for each other. Craig's truly become a really close friend of mine. And, and I know a lot of people are like, how is that true? Because we do this together. We're, we've really become friends. And we, yep. we text all the time. And, and I would say... 30% of it's work-related, and 70% is just life. We're just yep. connecting with each other. So part of that leadership thing is recognize when you're leading leaders. I, to me, it's one of the greatest callings in the world that we get to serve people who are serving people all the time. Yep. And so I, I love it. I love being um, put in a position to be able to uh, serve and bring life to leaders who are giving all day long, every day. So it's yep. it's a pretty amazing o- opportunity. How do you balance the
0: like Christian ethic of like humility sure. and last is first and first is last? with like the Christian like celebrity culture yeah. because y- you mentioned these names that people idolize them they right. want to be around them right. and you know I have a podcast so I get to talk to some really right. cool people so I keep right. like oh who, why do you want to talk to cool I'm, that's self-contradiction yeah. in myself yeah. um but you you want to have these people that people are drawn to because of right. the gifts that that God has given them the ways that God is working through them yeah. but you don't want to continually perpetuate this sure. dysfunctional hey we're going to worship yeah. these celebrities how do yeah. you think through that?
1: i 'll be honest with you for us, um, if you come into our world, one of our events or you 're serving with us, and you have that air yourself like you you put yourself on that pedestal, you probably won 't be with us very long yep. um, i 've been uh, we 've done one days we do them all over different churches, so you kind of enter different cultures at different times and and depending on the background and the denomination, whatever, you get some very different understandings of the pastor 's role of their mm-hmm. space of different things like that and I remember being at a church one time and The pastor could not fathom that Andy and Craig, Andy Stanley and Craig Rochelle, would just hang out with us all day in our little green room space. Like, it was like, Mm. they they should be, well, we've got this space over here. And they're like, no, we're good Mm. because we're just all a family. We're doing this together. And now I say that we have the utmost respect and reverence for what those guys have done, what God's done through. I mean, because the truth of it, Bill Hybels talks about this from Willow Creek. If you look at the great moves um, of churches, churches that have exploded over the last decade or 20 years, great preaching in most of them, you know, great organization. But what's special most of the time is somebody has embraced their spiritual gift of leadership. And they've led, they've owned it, and they've done this and allowed the Lord to use their leadership skills and their gifts to do it. And it, what you'll find with most of these, even the people the names we've talked about, there's a humility, there's a, a service to the Lord that's very unique, it's very special. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's not not happening across the board, and that's why their churches are bigger than others. I'll tell you, that combined with their incredible leadership gift and the confidence they have as leaders and business leaders, I know that sounds weird. A lot of churches like, you can't call them that. Yes, you can. They're running $40 million businesses that in terms of, yep. you, you, ha- you better steward that really well. You better steward that like a, uh, like a business. Because mm-hmm. if you're not, that's bad stewardship in a sense. If you're not paying attention to what's coming in, what's going out, how do we, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. creating good budgets, creating good um, stewardship, that, that's a problem in its own right. So anyway, I think for us, it's getting the right DNA. What are the kind of leaders? And one of the highest compliments I like to pay leaders is the closer you get to them, the more you respect them. Hmm. And a lot of times that's not the case. Hmm. And I think what's hard is in this Christian yep. celebrity world, there are some that you get close and you go, I'm good. Yep. Thank you. But, you know, let's, let's be honest, though, and be fair to the people that do put them on pedestals. They stand up on a stage, which is raised, and they share an amazing... I mean, there's a lot of CEOs in the world that run huge companies, that mm. if you told them, you got to run your company, oh, and by the way, every Sunday, you need to engage your audience with a 40-minute incredible message, they would lose their minds. That's mm. a tough job. Yep. That is a tough job. And so these men and women who have carried themselves incredibly well while doing that—it's—it's mm-hmm. it's impressive. But it shows the heart of a lot of what's going on. And the ones that there's a heart issue, it doesn't take long for something to to kind of show up, you know? Something. Yeah. So we just try to—we really try to be around men and women who are kind of in the same mission. I mean, for me personally, Luke, if I recognize that it's just a gig for somebody and they're not really passionate about serving the leaders. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a, probably a one and done relationship with us, Yeah. because we want people that are honestly fired up about being here. And I don't care what your name is or whatever. If that's not central to your DNA, it's probably not the right place to you know right fit for you.
0: Yeah, in Brad's book, he talked about going backstage and seeing Joel and the guys from Hillsong United taking notes, listening to one of the uh, speakers on a TV like this. And he talked about like the humility of that kind of leader, which you you want to be connected to. And it seems like when you put leaders together and they're not in their, um, I don't want to say churches can facilitate like dysfunctional leaders, but churches can just dis- like facilitate <laughs> like They, they can just, perpetuate yeah, it too. They just just let keep them, it rolling. Yeah, they don't have the accountability. But when you put other leaders in the room, yep. you can kind of see some of those character flaws revealed. Yep. And obviously, you've been lucky enough to serve with a lot of people yep. who you get close to them and you want to be around them more. Yeah. Yep. Which is obviously a gift for, for you. And I'm sure it's a re- yeah. a reflection of the leadership that you all have of this organization. For sure.
1: And it gives leadership a good name. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah.
0: Y- you, you kind of. Uh, had a little bit of hesitancy when you described uh, a church as a business. And yeah. You referenced, obviously, there's millions of dollars that are in the revenue yep. that churches have to deal with and, and, and resource uh, and use those resources well. Yep. What do you hear is the criticism of that? Because as you said, that you're bracing for a criticism.
1: Yeah, because you know there's a, there's a group that you can't call it. I mean, you can't call it that. My point in saying that is you better run it like that.
0: And by that, you mean?
1: Well, yeah. like if you're going to run a business, you want to make profit. Yeah. And by make profit, you better be a good steward of your expenses. You better be a good steward of budgets. You better mm-hmm. understand your P&Ls. You better understand your return on investment when people give to those places. You need to know your numbers. Yep. And there's a lot of churches that don't. A lot of pastors leave that to the executive pastor and hope it turns out well. Mm-hmm. And my point is, where it's not about the profit business, but guess what? If you make a good profit, quote-unquote, if you have margin at the end of the year with some money in the bank, You can go do new things. You can reach more people. You can expand your ministry. You can do those things. So even though it's a ministry budget, it's a nonprofit thing, nonprofit doesn't mean you don't want to make money in in the sense of you want to have the margin, financial reserves, Mm -hmm. to be able to go and reach, to be able to go do new ideas, to be able to, if you're always working from the, the red and trying to get, get back that's yep. right and it always see i always mess that one up red and black you're the leadership even guy though not i'm me. a Georgia bulldog that's a good that's a good <laughs> you thing you should know that you uh it, yeah when you're in the red i think it is you're the negative yeah that's right that sounds right that sounds good um <laughs> see there you go i'm running a good business right there how about that luke but uh when you're in the negative all the time you can't anytime somebody brings a new idea says y'all we should really do this ministry downtown you're instantly afraid to say yes because yeah. you're going well, where's the money going to come from yeah and where's run this thing are you kidding me you I, I feel the same way that exactly what i'm doing right now which is this is not mine anyway so if you get, it's like you're talking about bob Goff earlier like mm-hmm. bob bob talked about when you when he would do depositions as a lawyer under the table he would hold his palms up because you can't oh, wow. get defensive when your palms are like this. Mm-hmm. And if you were to walk in, uh, Judd Wilhite is a pastor of a church in mm-hmm. Central, uh, Central Christian in Vegas. He said every day he walks up to the, to the door of the church with his hands like, his, his palms up, saying, it's not mine. But mm-hmm. Lord, I'm going to steward it to the best of my ability today. That's good. And I see that way. That's why I call it, it. It's, it's important to see that the... The business side of the church being run incredibly well, yeah. and I think a lot of the churches you see that even one we're sitting in right now, you can tell these guys are good stewards of what has been handed to them, yeah. and that that's a big deal. And then you've been around where organizations aren't handled that way, and it's it's gone quick. And reflects it when I was uh, in grad school.
0: Just starting ministry, coming out of grad school. My brother, used I have an older brother. He's in sales and now management or whatever. Yeah. It is, I don't even know what it is right now, vice president or something. But it might be. I don't know. But he used to always get under my skin as an older brother only can. And yeah. said, like, "Luke, you run a business just like me. You're in sales just like me." I'm like, yep. no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> But there is a sense that last year our church ended up with some, some margin. Yep. And so a few weeks ago, we were able to introduce a new ministry that we were partnering yep. with in Russia, and that doesn't happen unless there is a margin that came that's from right. a quote-unquote good last year. That's right. And that's the resources that you have to take care that's of.
1: Right. And marketing's marketing. How do we get the word out about what yep. we're doing? Yep. Like, whether that's a church or a fast mm-hmm. food restaurant, people need to know what you're doing, mm-hmm. and word of is a huge part of that, but so is getting the word out there. And, and I just think churches for so long were afraid to embrace, and that's why there's a lot of denominations still that don't embrace the word leadership because they feel like it's a very secular term. Hmm. But John Maxwell described leadership as influence. Yeah. It's pretty simple. How are you stewarding your influence? No matter how big that circle of influence is, how you steward that is your leadership. That's it. It doesn't, it doesn't mean the top of the organization all the time. It doesn't mean this. It means how are you stewarding your influence? That to me is a very biblical principle. Yeah. How do you take care of those around you? Yeah. You know, so I I, to me the argument that there's a secular sacred piece to this, I don't I don't know that I completely agree with that. I feel like it really crosses over. To me, it's very sacred that we take care of the people that God's entrusted to us. Yeah.
0: And the resources that you've been given. And you take care of it. Now, you mentioned a hypothetical senior pastor who just dumps all the business stuff on the executive pastor that he works with. Now, hypothetically, if this was a person who would like to spend the majority of his days writing and preparing, uh, and liked for the executive guy, we'll just hypothetically call him Scott in the situation, like for Scott to do all the business side, what would you tell him as a way for him to think about not um, shirking his responsibility of preparing his teaching? while still being more involved in the, the quote-unquote business side of it. Hypothetically, which has got this guy not, Luke.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying 90% of the time you should be doing that. Mm-hmm. There's a skill set that's required. Like, there's a lot of people that shouldn't be accountants.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're just I, not wired that way. Yeah. Right? A lot of lead pastors aren't wired in a, an executive pastor role. That's why they don't want to sit in that role. Yeah. My thing is you can't remove yourself from the big picture of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to know at least what's going on. I need a, a once a week even if it's 10 minutes mm-hmm. with your executive pastor, with the accounting team, whatever. Yeah. Hey, where are we at this week? How are we looking on cash flow? Where we, you know, yep. how are things flowing? How, oh, is that, did that, did that check go through? Like just whatever that is, it's just enough understanding that mm-hmm. you're not lost. Yeah. Because if you get a, your elder board or your deacons and they call you and they go, hey, so what, what was this check? I don't, I don't know. You, look, at the end of the day, you might have an executive pastor, but you're still, it's on you. Hmm. Right. Yep. It's on your shoulders at the end of the day. That weight is on your shoulders. I, I, I struggle with this sometimes because I have um, specifically in our sales department. You talk about an area. I don't <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know where to start with it. Right. Because mm-hmm. we sell tickets to events. So we have a sales team. Yeah. Right. And so to do that. And what I realized is the first couple of years that I was leading it, I just didn't. I figured it was fine. Right. Because we were still getting people in rooms and we were still whatever. Yeah. But there were some issues there I didn't even realize because I, I felt inadequate for that space. Mm. And so I just trusted that everything, because I knew the people, at least they said the things that they needed to say to make me feel like everything was fine. But what I realized after I started getting 10% of like, it, I just need to know about 10% of it okay. so that I can make some wise decisions when it comes to leading our organization forward. You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I just started digging in a little bit more and realized, man, there's a few loopholes there that we need, to, we need to tighten up, we need to get mm-hmm. better at. I feel like we're doing this this feels a little dated you know it feels like we haven't had, and i'll just ask questions hey do, do do we still do that or have we ever thought about that you know just to mm-hmm. try to see I, i've always told our team anytime anybody new joins our team i'll say to them on the first week hey you're fresh eyes for us and that's yep. a gift that is a gift to us yes. ask every question that comes to mind because if our answer is we've just always done it that way and we don't have a strategic answer for, we do it because blank, mm-hmm. then we better look at that because that's not a good answer. you know.
0: But not not every organization has that sort of self-reflection sure. to have someone come in, let's criticize what's going on, uh, maybe criticize is the wrong word, right. but do some uh, analysis sure. of the current functioning. Right. What enables organizations to be able to have that sort of self-examination?
1: I just think it's an attention to the leadership component of it. Uh, it's, it's recognizing not only are the finances a part of my stewardship, but so are the people. Mm-hmm. Um, Simon Sinek wrote a book called Leaders Eat Last and Start mm-hmm. With Why. He's written a bunch, but one of the things he talks about in, in Leaders Eat Last is in the 80s, there was this huge swing. Uh, swing. How about that swing? Yeah. And, um, was that Wayne's World? It was Wayne's World. Right? That, that just nice. came out. I was yeah, like, was surely that just came from Wayne's World. I watched that movie a ton of times, so that probably would happen. happened. <laughs> uh, i'm a child of the 80s i still i still that was early 90s really hey i was there too I'm yeah i'm a child of the 80s that feels good i yeah. was actually just t- on the way over here teaching one of my younger staff members about good roller skating songs it was good we'll have to, <laughs> we might have to do another podcast on that luke <laughs> what what constitutes a good roller skating song and That's i a, i can give you some insight yeah. some uh from from pure experience yeah i can one. tell yeah i, I see you and i think deep. roller skating I, I, hey yeah i can advance bounce skate with the best of them so we uh, what, what were we talking about that was we so were, important? <laughs> the, the ability
0: to have someone come in and give the feedback.
1: Yeah, and, and just in... Uh, what, leaders what, eat last. Leaders eat last. Yeah. So one thing he says is in the 80s, there was this big uh, swing. That's how we got there into it. Was... Away, um, away from people wanting to build organizations with staff that stayed for a lifetime to people just becoming an asset. Okay. Becoming a number. And he talked about it, in the 80s, it was this huge change where people started feeling for numbers and thinking about people, which is the wrong direction. Okay. They no longer felt for people. People were just, oh, they're, they're a number. We're struggling here. Cut people. Yeah. And it created this real, I mean, Jack Welch used to talk about the bottom That's, 10%, yeah, boom, year. gone. No matter what, your bottom 10%. And everybody lauded that. Way to go, Jack. That's smart. Except for the fact that he's a literal, that's that's a huge organization. That's thousands of people who just because and now granted, we also have a responsibility to make sure that we're keeping a standard. I get that. Yeah. But what it it just was a perfect illustration of how many people were losing the battle of feeling for numbers. Like numbers are what made them emotional, not people. Yeah. Numbers is what was driving the decisions, not people. And he just argues that we're losing sight of how to build people. Mm-hmm. And so my thing is, and back to your original question is, you got to create an organization that people would want to work for, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't, John Maxwell always talks about positional leadership's the lowest level of the five level leaders, just because you're the president, just because yep. you're the whatever. You don't get influence. You get some just from the position, but you don't grow in influence because that. that. Usually, if you're just leading as a positional leader, you lose influence. Mm -hmm. it's how do you build into people? So I think at the end of the day, it's going, I want to, there's a phrase I've used for years and years, which is a good product with a bad process is a counterfeit win. All right, so let's say we have It's in your book, isn't it? Yes. It should be. It should, yeah. It's. Let's say you have a, and I know product and business and all that Mm -hmm. stuff, again, going back to church, but let's say your Sunday service is fantastic. Let's say that's your product. Okay but your team can't be together on Mondays cuz it just they don't the tension, the conflict, the whatever yeah. that's un, not dealt with. It's it's mm-hmm. a pain. The team is a mess. The process to getting to the product is not good. Kevin, it's not sustainable. It might feel like a win on that Sunday, but Sunday after Sunday with a bad process, it's a counterfeit win. Okay. It is not sustainable, and it will crush people. It'll, it'll turn over your staff quicker than anything else, mm-hmm. no matter if it's a church, a business, you name it. But if the process is bad, what we've got to do as leaders is grab a hold of these things and go, how much better is the quote-unquote product going to be if the process to get there is healthy, mm-hmm. if the team actually wants to be together? I think one of the greatest compliments that I ever get about our team here at Catalyst we travel together. We do these events together. We come into somebody else's church, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we, we kind of take over for a little bit. Yep. And that's a tricky little line because they're not used to somebody else running their stuff. Mm-hmm. But our goal is that we come in and that they feel so loved. They feel so cared for. They know that we're good at what we do, that they can trust us. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we bring life to them somehow. I mean, literally, our goal is that when we come into these places, people are usually carrying all the weight. They're just pointing. Oh, that's it's in that closet oh, it's over here, mm-hmm. instead of them feeling the weight of these events, they actually get to participate and enjoy the event. And we have watched how people ask us to come back year after year after really? year. Because, But it goes back to i got a team. I've built a team. We've been working on a team. We train a team. We create expectations for that team of what it's going to be like when we interact with people because at the end of the day, and I say this, every event we do, people are not an interruption to our day. They are why we do what we do, and a lot of churches lose that because they're just trying to accomplish the done. task, get it done, and they pass the ministry. They walked right past them because they were trying to get that task done. And at the end of the day, church is built to mm. minister to people, not to projects. How do you maintain a high level of, quote, unquote, product if yeah. you're always willing to be interrupted? You create a, Well, because you create a standard that says this is the standard of the thing. And then the other thing is, is the only time that, so let's say we're at this event this week, and tomorrow uh, when people show up, my vice president of events, she's got a task to do. And she walks across the lobby, and there's a, uh, an attendee that stops her. Mm-hmm. And she says, hey, real quick, where, where's the bathroom or whatever? Obviously, that's an easy one. Okay, it's right over here, point. But if there's something that requires some conversation, what my team understands, because we've the, the, creating clear expectations of what it means to be a part of this team and mm-hmm. our standard is a critical part of that because they've had a, at least some sort of conversation with me, with our team, with a staff training that should trigger in their mind why this is so important, right? I mean, we yeah. know it's important, but yeah. training matters in that. Mm-hmm. I've, I've told them a million times, unless it is time sensitive, like I've got to get that over or the caterer will not know what to do. I, yep. If it's time sensitive, it's a very easy thing. Hey, you know what? I've got to run and finish this, but I want to come back because I want to make sure this is finished or Hey, grace over here can help you out or Anna can help you out with gotcha. this. I, I'm going to take you over there real quick. Cause I got to go get this thing. Mm-hmm. It's an intentionality going, I'm not leaving you hanging. I'm just going to keep you informed with what's going on. And if I have something I got to do, mm-hmm. I'm heading that way. But if, if somebody stops me, I'm going to be super attentive And either say, hey, can you hold on one second? I need to run this over here, or I'm gonna find you somebody that can help you. It's just it's it's like if you go into Target and somebody with the red shirt on doesn't help you. That's frustrating. That's irritating. I remember when I first started, nobody, none of the staff wanted to wear name tags. And I was like, Okay, you guys do realize, right, that people need to know who to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Even the staffs of the churches we were hosting, or we were, they we to were know, at, they, would ask, yeah. they we would, they wouldn't know us from anybody, and we'd be coming walking through their space and this and that and the other. So mm. I made, we made sure we got some cool name tags. So <laughs> <laughs> they look good, and people yeah. want to wear them. And actually, we get tons of compliments on them because we were so intentional with the name tags. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just all those little pieces of going, how do we create an experience where leaders are invested in, they are moved to meet the... Or, excuse me, that we provide space for them to meet with their Heavenly Father and that they become a, they, they they learn something they can apply on Monday. Gotcha. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And my big thing is, and, and as anybody that leads a church or an organization um, that people attend something that they do, yeah, it starts as soon as they get out of their car. probably starts before that. They've probably already got perceptions. They've got ideas. they got whatever. Mm-hmm. But if they come in and we're not organized, they instantly, there's a little closing of their heart, a yep. little closing of their mind. Yep. Our job is to get them to the content with a fully 100% open mind and heart so they can receive what God has for them in those situations. Yep. And we're responsible to make sure we're not the ones shutting it down. We pray this all the time. Lord, how does is we just ask the question is grace flowing from our stage or is it being required for our stage
0: hmm. that's good
1: right because um. if we're bad at transitions or we didn't bring good speakers or we didn't plan the worship set correctly every one of those could be a withdrawal it could be a grace coming towards the stage requirement yeah right and you've sat places like that yes. you've sat at meals like that when the food wasn't right Now all of a sudden, grace is not flowing from you know the food from the restaurant to you. It's it's requiring something from you, and that's honestly the basis of the book that I I was finishing up.
0: Hmm, that's a good. I I like the metaphor. I mean, one of the struggles I think in my tradition, our strength is the relationality. Sure, people come to our church and they say man, I feel like family and people care about me and I get connected and people talk to me. And that's definitely one of the strengths of the tradition I come from yep. uh, and, and the church I'm currently a part of. The, one of the things that I think is a growth area for us is our level of quality that people expect when they come to an event. Sure. And the elevation of the relationality has kind of devalued the production value and having to find like a balance, a balance. Of both it's not an either or thing you can right. do both well right. you can be willing to stop and talk to someone while also maintaining 100% yeah one of the things that's like tough is that you like the comparison to target right like so if you have a red shirt on they want to help you out if you yeah. want to go to lowes and you see someone there with a name tag right. they should help you out that's a great like transition of we can take that principle we can apply it to what we do um, one of my struggles with leadership is if it's always the exact same in the business world as it is with church, if there's not a sense of what Jesus says confounds someone outside of the religious tradition, if, if it always makes sense in the business world, this cru- cruciform way of living, then it seems like we're, we're missing something. Sure. And how, I hear like the, the transition to influence. I know I talked to Brad about right. that too. Like it's not just, hey, I want to be influential so people know me, but I want to give this away and I want to help people. Yep. Uh, but sometimes it seems like we're building in the religious world exactly the same as in the business world. Yeah. How do you see the differentiation of those two? Where do you think it veers off
1: course? Uh, anything can veer off course when you're not in the word and you're well, not let me in the relationship. My
0: metaphor is bad. Like, yeah. Where do like we learn from business? Where's the line? Yeah. And then where do at some point we, we veer off and we go our own way that doesn't yeah. match
1: up? I think, it's, I think it's twofold. One is I think any great truth is really coming from Yep. from the Lord anyway.
0: All truth is God's truth. Yeah. I mean, it really yeah.
1: is. And um, I think there's a lot of people that are brilliant-minded people that have created amazing things. Like Simon Sinek's a Jewish, uh, he's, he's Jewish. Mm-hmm. He comes to our events, I asked his assistant one time, I said, "Why does does Simon do any other faith-based stuff? She goes, no, 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 no. She goes, and I said, well, why does he do ours? He goes, because you're the, you the best at it. Hmm. I want, to recline, I want to be world class in everything we do mm-hmm. because I agree with you. A lot of the Christian faith does not get that reputation no. of being world class in the way they carry themselves mm-hmm. and the way they do things. I want people to f- be proud to go, yeah, yeah, this, oh, that was a Christian event. Wow. Yeah. That was amazing. Not because we want to spend an exorbitant amount of money, not because we want to do the very best with what we've been handed and we want people to go, wow, we could do that. We can, mm. a lot of times churches just stop. They stop halfway there and go, oh, it's pretty good. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. Now, back to your original question. I So, yes, I, I do think there's a lot of truth in business teaching yeah. that just works. Now, what, what our job is, if that's where we got it from, is how do we look at it through the lens of Scripture and go, oh, do you see that? Because what you have all these secular books saying that servant leadership is an amazing thing. Guess where that came from? Matthew 20. Yeah. you And it literally says, and that's, that's to me one of the central cons- conversations in Christian leadership, which is you've seen how the world holds authority over you, how to let a little power go to their heads. And Jesus literally says, not so with you. As a follower of Jesus, it's not going to be with you that way. Mm -hmm. You're going to serve. Are you kidding me? Like, you can write about that secularly all day long. We know where that came from. Yeah. That, that was the most countercultural conversation, I think, one of, one of the most that Jesus ever said. Mm-hmm. Because it was like, this is, you've literally seen it. The world, I mean, it's Roman Empire at that time. Yeah. <laughs> like, the epitome of a top-down. Authoritarian, you, yeah. It's, it's the worst. And But we've all worked for somebody like that. Yeah. And we've all seen that. Our thing in the Christian space is how do we take and redeem those thoughts? Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest challenges isn't the, the challenge between secular and sacred or business and the church space. It's that we don't look any different. That's the challenge that a lot of leaders come here on Sunday and they hear a great message, but their business life is the same. It's different. Hmm. That's the, that's the rub for me is going, how can you act one way but say you believe another? Yep. That's hypocrisy at its finest. Oh no, by the way, um, Andy Stanley says this all the time. Not only does Jesus make uh, your life better, he makes you better at life. It's a good line. It's because it's Andy. I mean, he just yeah, uh, you're that like, doesn't oh, surprise. Oh, that's not yeah. fair, Andy. Yeah. You come up with all those, but it's yeah. think about it. There needs to be an integration of the principles that he taught us are not just so that we can be looked over for the promotion because we are honest. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like it actually should be. A, a signpost of the kingdom. We should be signposts of the kingdom saying this is what it looks like. This is what we believe. This is what we believe Jesus was all about. Mm-hmm. How do we love the people that are in front of us? Eyeball to eyeball. Even when we don't agree with them. I think one of my favorite things, Luke, about what we do is we're not a church or a denomination, so we're kind of neutral in the sense of um, we have, like tomorrow, we will literally have Anglicans, we'll have Catholics, we'll have... Mm the wide variety of Protestant evangelicals. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, have, we do an event in, in the middle of Pennsylvania. We have Amish that's uh, cool. You know, people that come to that. And for me, that's one of my favorite things because never have I heard somebody go, now why are they here? Really? Now what are they doing here? Because so you're
0: able to like bypass a lot of the divisions. Yeah,
1: we just lift up the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said, we have two jobs. Give you space to meet with your Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. And, which for me is worship, it's prayer, but yeah, it's yeah. under the banner of Jesus. I mean, we're literally, we pray consistently as a team, tear down the name of Catalyst and raise up the name of Jesus. That's mm-hmm. all we want. That's all we want. But at the end of the day, if you want to know why we do what we do and why I do what I do, is I don't know anybody that's walked away from Jesus because of Jesus. But I know a lot of people that walked away from Jesus because of those of us that represent Jesus. That's a leadership issue. No. What we, and again, I went to seminary and a lot of my buddies were like, I'm going, I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm like, yeah, 20% of the time. Your study day and your three hours on Sunday morning, hmm. if your rest of your 40 hours, matter of fact, your whole week, your life in and out of that church, do not match what you're saying on Sunday, that's a bigger issue.
0: Hmm.
1: That's a leadership issue, in my opinion, is how are you taking and stewarding that position, that influence, that opportunity, that pastor? Absolutely one hundred percent how you preach and the message you share is critical and how you study for it your exegesis, your hermeneutics your <laughs> you name it you 're kidding me you 're carrying god 's word, but you 're not just carrying it on sunday mornings you 're carrying it day in and day out because you represent Jesus and God to so many people you do let 's go you do and how you steward that influence affects people 's faith. I have a really close friend who was asked to not volunteer, and I would have done the same thing because he, he just handled he, – he said something inappropriate, which was not shocking if you get to know him at all. No, I actually wrote about him in the book, and I made sure he read, he, had to, he had to sign off on it because I was like, uh. But it's the very thing he, – he was sent on a two-year face spiral. Now, should he be strong enough to handle it? Sure. But he's not. Mm-hmm. And there's so many leaders that never get past that where they literally have lost – their faith isn't deep enough mm-hmm. that if somebody, a staff member, a pastor, or whatever, who represents God to them, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you are you, yeah. are. you are. You are presenting the ideas that we think God is all about mm-hmm. based on Scripture and based on these things. If we handle some of these relationships poorly, we lead them poorly, we will send people on faith spirals. Now, I am not trying to put an undue weight on our shoulders, but we have to recognize the power of our words and the power of our leadership when it comes to how people see Jesus in our lives. Um, it's a big deal. It's, it a, it's a really big deal. Hmm. So that's why I see it crossing. I don't, I don't see it crossing because people are going, yeah, but that's great for business, not for us. I think the bigger issue is do we represent God in these principles? Um, that's good.
0: And I think the integration of it, like you have to live this, this has to be who you are. You have to. And that's, this is a far healthier conversation on leadership than the, okay, come here, we're going to give you a trick to grow your church by 10%. We don't like, do that. That's like an antiquated form of leadership. Correct. I think there's so many people who have moved past that, and I think that's what some of us have reacted yep. so strongly against. Is yep. I, I, don't want, I have no interest in that
1: conversation. Nope. It's the Why? It's what Simon Sinek talked about. You just start with why. Yeah. The why for us is we represent something way bigger than ourselves.
0: Yeah, okay. So your message is let's integrate this, what you do. Like, you study, you preach, but this has to be how you live. Yeah. Uh, like, what are the other issues that you feel like you have to address every time a leader is in the room that you're you're shepherding?
1: You know, uh, tomorrow we will talk about some. I mean, it's super practical. Like, there are some, uh, some things about how to tell a great story. Like, you know, some people want to, like, what does it mean to tell your story well? Hmm. Well, we want to... Teach you how to do that from like Lisa Turkish is a brilliant, mm-hmm. brilliant person when it comes to telling great stories, um, and she's going to talk about it from a leadership perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Chris Hodges is going to talk about systems, and, and the sy- it goes back to we want to steward what we've been mm-hmm. handed really well. And if we're not willing to put a system in place to make sure we're caring for those mm-hmm. resources, those people, those whatever, that's probably an issue in mm-hmm. its own right. Craig's going to talk about, because uh, the whole theme is leading change. Mm-hmm. Well, that we all know the one thing that's constant is change, right? Yep. So how do, we, how do we prepare ourselves? How do we prepare our hearts for change? What is it? What should, what should we be looking for? Like, what, what's a sign that innovation needs to come in that area? What do we do? Mm-hmm. So we're just... Uh, like today, you know, specifically, our two-day events are a little bit different. They're, they're a little bit more of a, co- that's Catalyst Atlanta and Catalyst West Coast. That's a little bit more of a combination of inspirational, yeah. unifying. I, I mean, I've
0: been to those. I yeah. get them. I know and what they're it, like. They're yeah, great. but a
1: lot of people haven't. Mm. And, you know, they our should. one days, our one days are really just a all-day practical, but our two days are going to be a combination of inspiration. You know, guys like Judah Smith and Louis Giglio, who aren't necessarily okay. going to talk about leadership as much as preach and, and bring a word. Yeah. Then you've got the other leaders, and we'll bring in some. uh, We we bring in, like I said, Simon Sinek, Daniel Pink, you know, different Mm -hmm. folks. At West Coast, we got Patrick Lincioni. Patrick's a believer, but he's one of the most widely known consultants on healthy organizations. Mm -hmm. He's unbelievable, right? New York Times bestsellers, whatever. Yeah, yeah but his faith has really been the centerpiece for where all that content came from. Hmm. So I love seeing men and women in the, in the, in the quote-unquote secular space who are using biblical principles. To take it. To, yeah, they're teaching what we believe. You know, mm-hmm. is At the end of the day, I asked Simon the same thing on a podcast. I said, Simon, why would you do a faith-based you know, or a Christian event? And he said, well, because Tyler, we believe the same thing. And I was like, we do? <laughs> and he said, yeah, we believe in people. Hmm. He said, we, you and I believe in people. We get to it a little differently in terms of our God conversation, yeah. but we both believe in people. We're humanists. Mm-hmm. We believe in people. I said I agree with that. Okay. You know, so it, Fair it's, enough. but we got to find the right people for that. We can't just bring anybody off, you know, the New York Times bestseller list and yeah. make that valuable. They've got to fit our DNA. Yeah. so I don't and even I, know if that answered the original well, question you asked. Good that's <laughs> good. landed a plane somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I've heard uh, Seth Godin, at one of the yeah the two-day events that i was at and he was great i mean and i obviously love a lot of his stuff he's been a great resource Uh, so i love the way that you integrate like these other players outside of the traditional christian bounds because they obviously have
1: truth to share and like proverbial wisdom to give to us i think it's great Uh, and part of our job too is to put that in context so a lot of times you'll hear us come out and ask a question afterwards or to where we go okay so you know i know that works great if if how would you picture that working in a church? Or how yeah. would you picture that for this? Mm-hmm. But 40, 40, 45% of our attendants are marketplace leaders. They're not just pastors at churches.
0: Okay, I want to ask you about pastor burnout and we're running
1: out of time. Okay.
0: Why do you have 40%? Give me the quick
1: answer. Well, no, because uh, uh, because Christian leaders want to be great leaders no matter where they are. And they can obviously get the resources. Completely. And, okay. and you just, you're just kind of, we, you know, we try to even weed through the church leadership conversation mm-hmm. for the right spaces, you know?
0: Makes sense. Okay, yeah. what you, as someone who interacts with leaders yeah. on a daily basis, what are the three big things that are causing pastors to burn out these days?
1: Phew, i got to come up with three. Do you Just, have it in your book? Uh, well, I talk about— I can't
0: wait. What if I'm burning out right now? I can't wait that
1: <laughs> long. I'm actually—me and uh, Brad Lominick, who you mentioned, another guy, I've really been praying a lot about how do we get— how do we serve leaders like yourself who are young leaders, young pastors, specifically pastors. Mm-hmm. Well, how How old are you? I'm 41. Okay. Yeah. Wait, how are you trying to... Oh, you were born in the 70s.
0: You I grew born in, in the 80s. About. I grew like, up in the 80s. Wait, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But we, uh, we're sitting here, we're seeing too many of our friends not make it the long haul. Mm-hmm. I was in Peru a few months, a few, about a month ago with a uh, guy who's been in ministry. He's been at his church for 30 plus years. He's in his 60s wow. now. And he said he was talking to one of his friends. There were 10 of them that graduated seminary at the same time. And his friend said, well, you know, we're just the two left. And he was like, what? Wow. He said, we're the only two still in ministry out of 10 and i think that number is pretty consistent across the board about because right. it just we we lose we're losing our friends and a lot of times it's just you know what i'm ready for something different but a lot of times it's because of immorality different things because they've hit burnout and they're done they um, hit burnout
0: and then they have a moral failure
1: correct uh-huh. and, and they and, and they've they've passed the ability to think straight and and i don't i mean some of it's their fault like but some of it is they, they, they've lost their way a little bit and the, the thing. So we're just praying. How do we get in there and serve leaders? Like, how do we stay connected to them? Um, I think one of the biggest issues, I would say, and if, if three come to mind, we'll see. But one specifically is how many leaders, especially at the top of organizations or at the top of churches, are fully known? Do they have people in their wow. lives that actually would say, yep. I fully know everything about them, and yet I fully love them? Hmm because I think most are afraid if they're fully known, they won't be fully loved. Yep. And oh, by the way, we're supposed to be a, uh, uh, an example yep. of what it looks like to live this godly life. And yet, oh gosh, I'm struggling with blank, blank and blank. Yep. But who do I talk to about that? Is that for me? It's That's really a hard great question. And if you don't have a circle of three, four guys and girls, you know, guys for guys, yeah, girls yeah, yeah. for, I mean, obviously, you know, I've got I get. two of my three vice presidents are, are girls. Mm-hmm. They know a lot about me. There's a, Part of my world that I need to make sure I'm very specific with. It's not appropriate. Of course. But they're still a part of my life. And they're a part of my accountability when it comes to how am I leading? Mm-hmm. You know, how am I treating the people on our teams and on their teams? How, like, so there's, a, there can be some there, but I, I just say that to create some distinction. Yeah, because I get what of, Uh Whatever. So I think one is who's around you? Mm-hmm. Who have you? Now, here's the problem. A lot of leaders have never invited people into that conversation. Then they go, well, nobody told me. Well, guess what? Hmm. It's because they're all scared of you. And you've created a, you've literally created distance without ever inviting somebody in that space. So one of the things I'm really intentional about is I've got a few guys in my life who I've literally said, number one, anytime you see me reading my own mail, thinking I'm something, you better call me out on that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you ever see me kind of sway in the wrong way, not serving my, loving my wife the way I need to, having thoughts or, you know, having questions or saying things, you better call me out on that. Mm Mm-hmm. And vice versa, we're going to do that. And literally, I was sitting with a really close friend, about three, one of my best friends, about three weeks ago, and we had breakfast, and I just, hey, man, what's up? Talk to me. Where are you at? Mm-hmm. How do we, you know, I hadn't seen him in a few months, but we have to have those moments of check-in. And honestly, I, I you can have some of that with your colleagues in, at your church, but you need that outside. Outside, You really agree. do. So that's that's one for me. I think two is, and this is the Jesus Juke, John Acuff, Jesus Juke mm-hmm. thing. you got to be you got to be in step with the Spirit, and the only way to be in step with the Spirit is to be in the presence of the Lord. If you're not having consistent relational time with the Lord, I tell my staff, I know you came to work for a leadership organization, and you assume that I'm going to grow your relationship with Jesus. Guess what? I can't. Now, I'm going to devote you, and I'm going to push you, and I'm going to challenge you. and I'm going to pastor you, but I cannot grow your relationship with Jesus. We cannot make leaders healthy, We can say it, we can stand up here and talk about it till we are blue in the face, but it is up to those leaders to make that decision. So part of that is making a decision that says, you know what, I want to be in this for the long haul. I care about my family. This stuff matters. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to do something about it. Um, And I think the third thing, so that's where I think the relationship with Jesus is critical. You've got to stay in there. And then I think the third thing is the the proper perspective. As a Christian, this isn't yours anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. As a Christian, we see our influence as a stewardship of what God's given us. I think you get perspective about that, that you're, uh, you don't smell any different than everybody else. and that yep. <laughs> you're not, you, put your, you put your shoes on like everybody else. Yep. That's important. Now, it doesn't mean to take away from what God does through certain people and to respect what God's used them for. Uh, I just feel like we're supposed to respect everybody. I don't care what position you're in. No. So for me, it's just kind of having perspective. That's proper. Make sure your relationship with Jesus is good. Make sure you got people in your life that can speak into your life. Cause you invited them there. No. And then two, just recognize in humility that I, I got to choose to be humble. Cause no. this isn't mine. I had my,
0: uh, my microphone that I would preach with every Sunday. Yeah. The one that was just for me. Um, Somehow it was programmed and it still had the old preacher's name on it. No way. And I loved it. I was like, this is a reminder that this is not yeah. my thing. And I made a comment about that until like the next day it was changed. But um, <laughs> like I, I made a comment like how much I appreciate that because it right. reminds me that this is not mine. Yep. It's like the Bob Goff posture of yep. like, I'm open. This is, I can't hold on to it tightly because it can be taken away from totally. me. And in this moment, I'm going to be a good steward of it. And yeah, I don't think we always hold on to that one. Yeah. And I think you, you can encourage people to have those kind of relationships. Obviously, you can't do that. And right. I think that is the number one prescription I would give as well. Like, as AA teaches us, you're only as sick as your secrets. That's right. And if you don't have people that you can be honest with, you're going to be very sick. Yep. And you can encourage that. You can't, you can't artif. you as like you right, right, catalyst, right. can't artificially create those cohorts that we're going to push and we're going to try. Really?
1: I'm mean, just saying, we're, we're always going to be pushing leaders to get healthy.
0: Oh, but you can't push that. Like, you can't say, all right, seat two and three and four, yep. you now are going to share your sins. No, with you, right? I wouldn't but, do
1: that because it's, it's not the right it's spot. It's not a nice, yeah. But I will, we will stand up and go, if you don't have this, let's we'll tell you the stories. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's yeah. an issue, and you got to pay attention to it. But you can't, fi- they have to fix it themselves. That's up to I mean, them. I mean, they have to make that decision. Yeah. And what we've watched, a lot of our friends that are out of ministry now, they started once people started pushing in, going, "Hey, that doesn't seem okay. That's not lining up with what your belief system, and that's not lining up with what you've always preached." They push them away, and they get further and further away from. Them. Next thing you know, they're, there's affairs, there's this, that, and the other, because they've um, literally pushed everybody away that they get that had the had the only voices to speak into that conversation. Um, and how many times are you going to go to your friend when they're not listening anymore and they're pushing you away? How many times can you do it? Um, you know, so I. I, it really is, there's a heart thing that's got to be a, a big part of the conversation. And, and honestly, if you're not, and now granted, we know people that have a quiet time every day and it, it might still not affect it. But yeah. I have a hard time believing if you're walking in an abundant, great, life-giving relationship with Jesus, that you don't feel the weight of those things, that you don't, you know, that you're not, the light's not being shined. I love that Reckless Love song, that there's no, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no light, or there's no shadow he won't light up. There's yep. no mountain he won't climb up. There's no, you know, yeah. uh, It's just beautiful. What a beautiful picture of, and I love that very first one. There's no shadow he won't light up. It's nope. worth get it out there. Get it out there. I went to a week long counseling retreat back in January because I, I just that's where yeah that, I just whatever it's called yeah yeah I, it's called onsite onsite there it is yeah Christian it's rehab a really important thing for me yeah. because and there's a group there that are two they need a reset man it is time to start over there's a group of us. That needle 1.1, 1. 1, 1. 1.2. And we just want to keep getting healthy. Damn. And part of my thing was going, you know what? There's a couple of parts because our theme for the fall is fully alive. And I just want to make sure that every part of my life is fully alive. And I started recognizing, you know what? There's one or two spots that I think lay dormant because they're painful. Mm-hmm. Because they happen to my childhood. Like I just, I, gotta, I don't want to deal with them. Damn. And I just went, you know what? I got to shed some light on that because I believe that, that there's no shadow he won't light up. Um, I need that. I need to go to places like that and stay healthy and talk to people and you know I just I don't want to be a statistic I want to be someone I want to be a statistic for the right things Yep. that I was a leader that took care of the people around me you know so that's good yeah this is good yeah I,
0: I wish we could uh, like promote your book but it's not even like pre-sale yet
1: no it's, it's on Amazon it is yeah yeah it's pre-sale it's just called The Life-Giving Leader and
0: like go get it like this <laughs> if this is what it is I mean I'm that sure it's,
1: d- you were talking about grace flowing from the stage or yeah. required it's the same concept as a leader is life flowing from you mm-hmm. or is life being required for you because you're not leading well? And at the end of the day, I believe the best leaders lead from their truest wiring, their truest self. Yep. So the most life-giving, the ones that give the most life away have embraced their uniqueness and, and that's, that's pretty much the summation of it. So that's, that's all I should have done, right? A little yeah. cliff note. Yeah, there it is.
0: I think you should do this leadership stuff. I feel like you have something to contribute. I care to about convers- it if yeah. you can't tell. You should check into it. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks for the
1: time. You got it. Yeah.
0: Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Make sure to
1: subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.